Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So a few episodes ago, Emma and I dissected the book, The Lorax. Have you read The Lorax? Was that Oh, yeah. It's yeah. been a while, though. Loved it. But uh, <laughs> as I've been like rereading it or watching the movie as an adult, I noticed that it's pretty anti-capitalism. So right. so that's what we discussed. So I think it's important to talk about these things because kids at a young age are fed a lot of nonsense about free markets that will help shape their outlook on, on look, or in life forever, you know? And I think that's probably a primary reason why the Tuttle Twins books came to be a thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think you wanted a way to kind of fight back or combat these books that are teaching kids incorrect principles about yep. The way the world works. So the next two episodes we do are going to be called what a variation on a theme. So we're in a little vocab lesson here, but that means similar principles, but there's going to be different examples, so like a different spin on them. And in music, I don't know if you're into classical music at all. Connor. My wife is, so there's that. <laughs> really? Okay, no, that counts. So like Mozart, Beethoven, they would always call these things variations. I mean, speak variations on a theme where right. you'd hear like a similar like melody, but then there'd be like a little twist on it, like they add a different instrument. So so that's what that means. So we're going to talk about sharing. That's going to be the theme that we're going to be doing some some different uh, discussions on. So we're going to kick this off by talking about what I think is the worst children's book ever written, which is The Rainbow Fish. And Connor, we talked a little bit before we pressed record, but you're not completely familiar with the book, right? Not totally familiar. I, I know. I mean, you're right earlier where you say that uh, the Tuttle Twins was born in kind of response to the fact that not only were there not books that were teaching you know, important values and correct principles, but there were a lot of books out there teaching bad ideas. Yeah. And oftentimes, like with the Lorax, right? Like it sounded like this was your experience and it was certainly mine. A lot of kids just kind of read this. Oh, it's a fun story. And you mm -hmm. kind of like start to assimilate these ideas because they're presented in a way that just seems fun and cute and whatever. But then you start to realize, well, wait a minute, that's actually like a bad idea and a bad mm -hmm. premise. And so uh, I, I understand, given uh, the topic we're talking about, that, you know, the rainbow fish presents a similar issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we've talked a lot, too, about how storytelling is how people learn. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think Tuttle Twins books are actually good proof of this, is that that teaches people principles, right? You learn through story and you go, oh, hey, yeah, that makes sense. So, okay, so how did I discover this terrible book? Well, my mom took me to a book fair, which I don't know exists anymore, but Connor, I'm sure you've been to book fairs. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Your school like library or your auditorium would turn into like, I guess what now would be called a pop-up, like a bookstore. You got right. a bookstore in your school and your class got to go and you'd you know, ask your parents for money and you could buy books and you just felt like the world was your oyster. Like, I don't know why it was such a cool feeling that your school turned into a bookstore, but because, it was just... <laughs> Brittany, because the internet did not yet exist. Is right? that what it is? I guess you're right. Right. There was no internet. Oh, man. What was what was it like back then? Awful. So, awful. so that is where I saw the rainbow fish and the book. And I'll, I'll let you guys Google it because I don't want to give it any promotion. It's the most beautifully illustrated book I've ever seen. That's what gets you is you look at it and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's it looks most beautiful under the sea type book you've ever seen. The pages were glossy. Some of them shimmered. And I read it over and over again. But but, you know, the lesson the book taught is one that 
you know, I think I knew what it was because it was one that we heard in school a lot because you hear it over and over again. And it's, you know, I'm going to we're going to get into that in a minute. And Connor, even though he has not read the book, I entrusted him. I taught him all about the plot and I've entrusted him to tell you guys the plot. So, so I'm going to let Connor tell you. <laughs> all right. So so here's the plot. It's there's this beautiful fish. It's the rainbow fish. And there's these sparkly scales that it has. And one by one, other fish in the sea tell the rainbow fish how beautiful his you know metallic scales are and they ask for one now the rainbow fish loves his scales so i guess this is a spoiler alert right if you want to go get the book or and be surprised don't whatever. get it yeah <laughs> but but since we're recommending you not get the book then you can just listen to this comment so rainbow fish right he loves the scales he doesn't want to give them away but eventually the entire community of sea creatures decides that no one should play with him they think he's selfish for not giving them his scales. I was going to make a shellfish joke there, shellfish. but you know, ah. I will, I will <laughs> resist. Shellfish. Uh, that was like uh, in Jeopardy, the Saturday Night Live. The parents might remember. Uh, who was it? I can't remember the actor's name, but he says, I must ask you a question. The, Sean Connery, Sean right? Connery was who right. they were playing on. Yeah. All the kids are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> so, okay, the... All the sea creatures, they're like, no one should play with the rainbow fish. So they think he's selfish. And so the rainbow fish, he then talks with a starfish, the only sea creature that's still talking to him. And he's told to go visit the wise octopus that lives in a cave. So the octopus tells him that the answer to his problems is to share what is rightfully his with all the creatures in the sea. So the rainbow fish doesn't like this answer. But he doesn't like everyone treating him like he's a bad fish. So he goes around and gives everyone his scales until he has one left. So this is supposed to be some kind of like noble act because everyone in the sea is equal and, you know, whatever. But Brittany, like, obviously, as we talk about the plot and when it's we summarize it that way, it's clear why, at least to us, but we'll get into this, why that's so problematic. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to say here. Again, this book just really riles me up. But there's this whole thing in this book where it's like, if you don't want to give up what's yours, you're a bad person. Like that, that is what the whole book is based on. If you don't share this stuff, no one in society is going to talk to you. You don't belong in society. You know, you should be ashamed of having nice things. That's another thing that really stuck out to me. And, you know, you should be forced to share with people who don't have those things. And I think it sets kids up to live in a society where politicians and even people in our own neighborhoods, you know, make us feel the same way. If you don't share what you have, you're bad. So so I want to know, did this author of this book, who probably made some money, uh, did this author then share that money with everyone else? Did he keep none of it for himself and or only a teeny tiny bit, but then give it all away? Like, did this person practice what he preached? I'm going to doubt that that's the case. I actually did a little Googling because there's been some some book reviews from from liberty minded people who also hate this book. <laughs> Nobody's been able to find any proof that he was, you know, benevolent enough to give to give up his money. And, and that's what I think is another theme, right? For these people who think this way, who think that everybody should be forced to share what's theirs, it's always bad when someone else does it. Mm-hmm. But it's fine if if you know if you don't do it. And this reminds me of I don't know if you remember a couple years ago. Somebody did an experiment where they had college kids ask the socialists on campus, like, hey, do you want to help give some of your grade to somebody who didn't do as well? Do you want to redistribute your grade, as they call it? And the kids were outraged, like, no, that's my grade. I earned it. And then they kind of flipped it and was like, "Okay, well, what about you asking me to pay all this money in taxes? So I think that's interesting. (laughs) I love that. I I think of um, 
I've seen in past years how typically it's the Democrats who are the ones saying, we need to tax more, tax the rich, spend more on welfare, right? Have more welfare programs, which means we're going to have this redistribution of money, more socialism. So typically that's the Democrats, although the Republicans do it plenty as well, Mm -hmm. but Democrats a little more so. And what's so interesting to me is when you look at the people who are the most vocal at demanding that other people pay their fair share and demanding that we help the the poor and so forth, when you look at the Bernie Sanders and the Joe Bidens and all these people, and you can look at their tax tax records uh, because they're made public, you're able to see how much charitable contributions these people made. How much are they actually taking their own money? and spending to the poor. And every study, every review, every analysis I've seen shows that the Democrats, especially the more socialist and progressive Democrats, who are the most vocal about this type of issue, are always near the bottom. They are hardly giving any of their own money. (laughs) They are all about taking other people's money to give to other people in need, but they do not, by and large, at all practice what they preach. And so to me, that's hypocrisy. That's claiming to believe something and support something that you yourself do not support. It's one thing to say, I give away all my money and now I live in this tiny little home and I think other people should follow me. Or it's one thing to even say that, hey, we should make taxpayers do what I did. Like, I don't like that idea because still we shouldn't force people to be charitable. But at least that person is them themselves living what they believe and and what they're arguing that other people should do. But when you have Bernie Sanders, who has, I think, three homes and he's, you know, decrying the rich, even though he's in the top, like, you know, one percent himself. And so he's attacking the rich and let's take their money. It's like, dude, how much money are you giving? Like, (laughs) let's see what you're actually doing for this book. The the rainbow fish, there was actually a response called the Starbort's fish. Which side note, it's because there's a there's a radio host named Neil Bortz and he called this book i think garbage and so they made a a a response in honor of him so that's where it's starboards so in this in this one there's this dull starfish that's counseled that in or he's told right that like in order to truly shine he must earn the honor by taking his unique skills and creating value that's attractive and wanted by other people and so you know using the competitive advantage he already has like this is an idea where we have unique skills, we have abilities, we have certain talents. And so when you can use those to serve other people, then it's a win-win situation. It's not like the rainbow fish where you're taking away part of yourself and giving it to someone else. That's a win-lose. Someone else is gaining and you're losing. We've talked, Brittany, a lot about how entrepreneurship is its win-win and its service. You are finding a way to serve other people and in the process, they are rewarding you financially and that is a win-win. It's not here, take away part of me and then you'll benefit and that's somehow more fair or equitable. No, instead we should have these, this win-win approach like a starfish who's you know, trying to apply his unique skills to benefit others and in the process he's benefited himself. You're exactly right. And you know, one thing I've noticed, you mentioned something a couple a couple minutes ago where you said, you know, forced to share. So I want to talk about, you know, sharing when you're not being forced to. And in my classroom, when I was a teacher and taught third grade, I did not make anybody share because I hated that. I remember when I was a kid and it was like, oh, Brittany brought her markers to school today. Brittany, share your markers with the class. And it's like, what? Like, my mom bought these markers. You didn't buy these markers. So I had a rule that nobody had to share with anybody in my class. But the funny thing is when I didn't make them share, people were more willing to share. 
And, and I thought that was really kind of fascinating to watch as a teacher. You know, it's like a social experiment. And, you know, our right to to our own property is so natural that I like to look at like, babies when you give them a rattle. Have you ever tried to take anything from a baby, Connor? Oh, boy. Yes. Grip like grips of. Oh, yeah. Of, I don't even know how this happens. They're like Superman. But but I always think of a little analogy like the baby doesn't want that rattle taken away so badly because even the baby, it's like this natural inclination to hold on to what is yours. <laughs> And if you want to prove me wrong, please go try to take a toy from a baby. Good luck. I think so. this this sets up people up to live in a society where they're expected to not only give away their physical possessions, but the, even their talents as well, their time, their energy. You know, I mean, we can save some of this for the next episode, but you get into this issue where it's not just about resources. It's not just about taking uh, some money or even property from one person and then transferring it to the next. This is much deeper. This is this is your time. It's your life. It's it's you know because time is our our most scarce resource. We can never get it back. We can never you know create more of it or go back in time yet at least. And <laughs> uh, and so when you're taking something from someone else, you're actually taking the time that they spent on acquiring that. If I had to work for twenty hours for you know this uh, I don't know hundred dollars that I have. But then that $100 is taken and given to someone else. It's like I was enslaved for those 20 hours. I was forced to spend that time to help someone else rather than doing it voluntarily or doing it for myself or my family. So it's a bigger issue than just the money. It's also a part of us and a part of our life. No, you're absolutely right. So, you know, to wrap it up, it's running out of time here. The moral of the story is the rainbow fish teaches kids that they are bad and they are selfish people if they don't share with others. And I think we see that in in a lot of forms of schooling today. You know, during show and tell, if they still have that, who even knows? You know, you have to pass your item around to the whole class so they can look at it. And that's always been weird to me, too. I remember having to do that. And toddlers, toddlers are scolded when they don't share in preschool. And what happens when that when we're taught that is kids grow up with a mindset that in order for us to be good people, and I'm saying that in quotations, like you have to be willing to share all your property. And it's not that it's a bad thing to share, right? If you want to share, that's so great, but we shouldn't be forced to do it. So Connor, I, I don't know if you have any final thoughts. Yeah. And, and beyond force, I think like pressure, right? Because I yes. think parents aren't necessarily, and sometimes maybe they're forcing a child to share, you know, you're being too selfish and they rip it out of their hands and give it to the other kid. And now, you know, you got more crying. But I think more often than not, it's this cultural pressure and expectation, kind of like you're saying, you're only a good kid if you uh, share. Now, now, yes, voluntarily and of your own free will and, and, and getting to that point where it's like, look, I have no need of this. You're welcome to use it when I'm not or whatever. But, but it's, it's uh, this win-lose thing that I think is the problem that we're saying, no, you need to give away something that's yours. You need to. And it's one thing to let someone sh um borrow something for like an hour and then return it if it's like a toy and then it comes back to you it's another thing like the rainbow fish to give something permanently yeah. right i'm gonna rip it off or i'm gonna take this money i've earned and give it to you and I, I can't get it back so there's a difference between like temporarily sharing and permanently sharing and the problem is when you do it through the government it's all permanent they're they're taking things from you and you're not going to get it back and so the lesson of the rainbow fish is even more problematic for that reason. So if you got this book at home, just go ahead and throw it away. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Buy Tettle Twins instead. Yeah, yeah. don't even donate to the library because you'll just hurt some other kid who gets <laughs> bad ideas. Donate some Tuttle Twins books instead. Brittany, uh, thanks as always. Great for chatting. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.